Welcome to The Butterfly Effect. I'm your host, Francis Lee Rogers, and each episode I'll interview a different female leader in sustainability on how they navigate the emotions of working in this space at this time in history. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get stuck in. So welcome to another episode of The Butterfly Effect. Today, we're talking to the lovely Kaylee Potter. I'm going to pass over to her so that she can introduce herself. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm Kaylee Potter. I am a mother of two smelling young boys. I am a full-time worker in climate tech um, and a passionate volunteer for women in climate as well. So lots of things to balance. But it's great to be here today. Great stuff. And... Uh... Yeah, it's lovely to have you on the podcast. We've met over the internet, didn't we? We met over LinkedIn um, not that long ago and we're connecting through the women in climate work that you do um, and met in person in London, didn't we? So Yeah, that was lovely. That was really nice. So thank you for coming on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about your journey into sustainability, um, Kaylee, and, and what you do and kind of why you do it. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, for me, like my background was technology for a many years I won't tell you how many um but I had the epiphany shortly after having my first child um my son and I realized that I wanted my career to be defined by sustainability but at that time I didn't really know how I did I couldn't see how it was going to work I thought maybe I'd have to kind of go back to school or something um and then in 2019 the company that I was working for the technology company they launched a carbon calculator tool and I had this this light bulb moment. I was like, right, I, I'm good at technology and working with customers and I want to be involved in sustainability. And I think this is the opportunity for these these two worlds to come together. So I jumped in with two two feet. Um, I volunteered. I did it as, led it as a passion project for about 18 months. While they had no dedicated resource, um, built out the UK go-to-market led partnerships, was in webinars, and I did my, um, so the University of Cambridge um, to the sustain a business sustainability management course there um, to try and immerse myself in, in that learning and kind of get some, get some more confidence. Um, but absolutely loved it. And then I went to have my second son. And when I came back, I feel like there's something very liberating as a working mum when you know you've had your last child and so much of your career can be can be around like okay how am I when am I going to have a baby and am I going to have maternity leave and how long am I going to have and I'm, what am I going to do in between and suddenly that at that point I knew that I was done two babies was enough I had lost enough sleep um and I could look up out of the safety of this this big technology company and a great maternity package and I could look around and go wow like the landscape in climate technology has changed so much while I've been in that bubble, that baby bubble, that um, and I was like, this there is so much opportunity out here. And so um I started speaking to some of these companies, and one that I kept hearing about through the market was um this French climate tech company called Sweep. And I heard that the technology was really good. And, um, you know, I'd done big tech for about 12 years. So I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to it has to be good technology. But also, you know, it's really user friendly and it's a really great price. And 
they're a B Corp, so they're really purpose-led. And there's a female CEO, and I was like, yes. Um, and uh, and basically, when they uh, I saw a job role go live, and I was like, this is the one. This is the one. And so I'm thrilled to say, yes, I now work for Sweep, um, bringing the technology platform to to new customers. So you know, it's carbon management and ESG um, meets business intelligence. So really, really powerful technology platform. And yeah, it's my dream job. It's been about six months and I'm still absolutely loving it. I could just, yeah, your face just beams when you talk about it. <laughs> again, it, that's the thing that struck me when we first met. And again, it does um, it does now. So um, fabulous. Um, so quite a lot like over some time that this has been developing for you. And now you're kind of in the place where you really feel this is your this is where you want to be. That's yeah, that's so that's so fair. I would say it took me about three years from the epiphany to landing my dream job. And it was definitely a journey. Um obviously like COVID came in, I had a baby, there was all this complexity to it. But I think I had that kind of guiding light that I knew that this was what I wanted to do. And that definitely helped keep me motivated. And and I think that really helps with being here now. So when it is tough. You have to remind yourself, like, this is exactly what I wanted. <laughs> this is exactly what I worked for. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That takes us really nicely on to kind of the second question, really. Um, tell me a little bit about how you navigate the emotions of working in this space with, you know, um, scientists telling us that we're reaching, to, you know, lots of different tipping points and the, and the, um, the, well, the lack of, response there seems to be through national local governments um and that not being quite in kilter with what the business sector is is doing etc how within that context how do you stay kind of alluded to it there um how how do you manage all the emotions that it brings up um day to day i mean that's it's such a great question and the reality is i think if you allowed the gravity of this to really sit with you, it would be very depressing. It would be very depressing. Like it's, there were times when, you know, when the news came out that Rishi was signing off a hundred new oil licenses. And that day you can't help but feel powerless. And, and you know, that that's really hard. That's really hard. But ultimately all we can control is what we, we do and our actions. And so for me now, now that I'm in this space, now that I spend all day, every day speaking to companies who want to, you know, who want to pick a platform to measure their emissions, to plot their their targets and, you know, really plan out how they're going to get there. And I'm having these really positive action orientated conversations. I feel like my impact is so much more significant than it was before this. You know, before before I was in this space, I was working in marketing um, technology and all the conversations there were about more. It was about selling more. How can we use really clever timing and emails to make somebody come back and buy and buy and buy? And by the end of that role, like I felt that it just conflicted so much with my values. Like this, this whole idea of consistent growth is just not, it's not achievable. And I think once you kind of have that realization, it's you can't be in that world which is all about driving more 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 sales it's just it my values just weren't aligned with it 
And so I, what I would say now is, yes, there are days when the news comes on you like a ton of brick. But the reality is, like, I'm controlling my controllables. You know, we as a family are trying to make really smart decisions about, do we really need to go on a plane? Like, no, we don't really need to. Do we like, like, so, you know, maybe we'll do it like once a year and we'll love it and we'll lean into it and we'll own it and we'll pay to remove the carbon from the atmosphere that's been emitted from it. And we'll try and find the balance there. But yeah, you can only control your controllables. And I think as soon as you think beyond that, it can feel quite overwhelming. I love that. You can only control your controllables. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's it's so true though, isn't it? It's, you know, you've got to find a way of being able to keep moving forward um, in in this very purposeful but can sometimes feel quite heavy work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, I'm so much happier here than I was before. So, yeah. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, so I kind of... You've kind of touched a little with with what you just said there, but how do you kind of, well, how have you developed your like your leadership presence and style um, throughout that journey and kind of standing up for what you believe in? And then what would you say, you know, um, how would you describe that embracing everything that's that's female? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Even you saying like leadership style. Like I'm not a, I'm not a manager. I'm an individual contributor. Um, so, you know, I lead the small people in my house sometimes when they let me. Um, but then I think about like my, the way that I can influence people is, is very much in a kind of supportive, uplifting way. And I think about the way that I can connect with other women who are potentially looking to move into this, this space. And so, I, I, I try and be really proactive and take the time to meet people through the Women in Climate Network um, and and have conversations with people who are looking to get into this space. And I focus on kind of the three key things that I really believe are important in forging your way into your, your first climate role, um, which is number one, it's, you know, there's, there's so much access to, to resource and education now. So have a real think about um, how you can upskill in a way that fits to your time, that fits your budget. You know, I was really lucky to have um, access to education allowance. So I went for the Cambridge, I'm looking at my certificate on the wall, uh, University of Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership um, course, but it was about £2,000. So, you know, if people don't have access to that, I'll say, do you really need the certificate? Because if you don't really need that certificate, you know, for your LinkedIn page, for your job applications, then there's a ton of free resources. Like through the UN, they have all of this online courses that you can upskill in a way that's more flexible and free. Um, so, you know, number one is about how can you upskill getting that education? Um, number two is about how can you get any kind of experience in this space? Um, I was lucky that my company just so happened to launch a, uh, um, a product and nobody else was really interested in it. So I got to get really hands-on and, um, and kind of get some experience in that space that gave me something to talk about in an interview. But there are so many incredible startups like um, doing all kinds of really great purpose-led um, things but need, that need hands-on deck, that need you know resources. So can you volunteer somewhere? 
Is there an NGO that you could support? And you can use some of your skills to get some experience in that space. Um, and finally, number three, you know, I've touched on women in climate and what an important community that is that is for me. And, you know, obviously it's the women and people who identify as women and non-binary. And so, you know, if you're a man, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but you need to find another community. But that, that idea of going and meeting people who are interested in the same things and having these really joyful, uplifting, supportive, collaborative conversations. Um, and you just spot opportunities for each other and you just, you know, you want to help each other. And we've got the in-person communities, um, but also there's it's all online as well. So we've got a Slack channel. Um, we've got a speaker database as well. So where you can build out your your speaker profile, the sort of things that you're interested in talking about and the um and you know the, your level of experience so in this is all based on our wonderful founder Michelle Lee and you know she went to COP27 and realized there were still to this day male only panels that she refers to as manals um and saying that you know we need to there is no excuse anymore there is no excuse you don't need to have all men on a panel um and so she created this incredible database um which is all on the women in climate um, website for people to go and build out their profiles and, and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, shout out to that as well. So to any listeners there thinking about, um, you know, uh, about what Katie's just said there about the women in climate, please do. Um, we'll, put, so we'll put a link in the show notes, but um, please go and check, go out and check it out. It's a great space. And well, even I've been. Yeah. And I met um, Michelle as well. So it's a really, really good community. Um, so, Thank you for um, for sharing those kind of yeah reflections on your journey and what you might um, advise somebody else um, to do. And I think we're all, like you said, we're all leading in some way. We're leading ourselves. We're managing ourselves as best we can. We're leading the little people in our lives, whether we're mothers, aunts, whatever. Um, certainly resonates for me in being an, being an auntie. Have it being that role model to say to my niece, yes, you can, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you can't do that. Um, and, you know, um, and breaking down some of those barriers, which feel really unconscious sometimes, don't they? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting that you say that. Like, I always imagined if I, w- I wanted to raise daughters so they can be feminists. And then I've I've had two boys. And I've realized that actually my job here is even more important to raise them to be really great men and and great feminists, like supporters of women. And um, yeah, my my eldest, he's just turned five and his three best friends are female and he just had a frozen birthday party. So I'm th- I think we're getting there. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. That's that, that um, yeah, that's fantastic to hear. Really. <laughs> and it actually inspires me because I've got two nephews as well. So yeah, I do do stuff with them, but probably, if I'm honest, um, not so much around that. I don't feel a pulling up around that. So it's really interesting to hear you talk about that. Um, so I guess I'm really interested to understand kind of with the journey you've been on and, you know, the fact that you're a mother, um, how do you kind of juggle the work that you do and full time and um, you know, being being a mother and being there for your family when it's it can be really challenging juggling all those different bits. I'm not going to say balance because I don't think we can ever get that balance. I think it's a bit of a myth that we talk about work-life balance. Um, but how do you kind of um, bring all those things together to feel satisfied? 
oh, the juggle is real. The juggle is real. And um, my eldest just started school, so I'm experiencing a whole new level of juggle. I realized that nurseries were designed for working parents and schools don't give a monkey. It's <laughs> They're like, we're going to finish at two o'clock today. Deal with it. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, this is a, this is a whole new level of, uh, of complexity. Um, my, I think I'm very good at setting boundaries and this came from, I've always been a bit of a juggler, like throughout my twenties, I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise. So I would work full time and also be a fitness instructor and also run my own business and all of this stuff. So I've, for my whole career, I've been very good at plotting things, boundaries in my diary, booking exercise in and respecting it like a meeting because it was my work. If I didn't show up and teach this exercise class, like it wouldn't happen. So I think that foundation gave me some really great strong boundaries, which I'm now well experienced at protecting in this this new life and this juggle. Um, and what that means is, you know, knowing that I really, really, really have to finish at five o'clock because the school, you know, are going to have a hissy fit if I'm not there to pick him up from tea time club at 5.15. So what that means is that I'm very good at prioritizing. Um, I write down like the urgent stuff that needs to be done today and then everything else can just wait if it needs to. You know, there's not enough time in the day to do everything. And so I think being laser focused on the things that are going to move the boat forward, like that's the only way, only way to get it done. Um I also, you know, I tried to be digital for a while and I've gone back to a proper hand-drawn to-do list. Like, and this, I, there's something so satisfying about scratching something out in real life with a pen. Um, so I'm, I'm loving that. I feel like you can visually track your progress through the day. Um, but then the reality is, you know, I've only got three hours a day with my children, right? I've got like an hour in the morning and then drop them off and then maybe two hours in the evening before bedtime and the temptation to be on your phone and to be doing something else is so strong like there there are thousands of people whose job it is to to brainwash you into picking that phone up and looking at it again and um so I try really really hard to put my phone away and to be present because I only have this short, small, small window with them. Like I try and goof around and have fun. And then those times that I do have to work and I do have to pick up the phone, I own it and I leave and I leave them with somebody else. So it's about how can you, how can you try and do what you have to do, focus on it and then kind of move on because multitasking is a myth. And we've been sold this myth that our women can multitask. And yes, we're very good at picking the kettle on and then going and picking something up and popping it on the stairs and all of that sort of stuff. And yes, our brains are complex and we can manage all of that. But the reality is like when you're at work, it's like focus on the work, get through it, shut the computer and then focus on the small people in your house and have some fun with them because that, that probably helps with the stress relief as well. Like you can't be too serious when somebody's making poo jokes or like, you know, it's, that's the reality. You're like, okay. This is this is what we're doing today. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? And and kids can say the funniest things, and they just bring you out, and you just think, okay, that's your perspective, and you've you've got a choice, then, haven't you, to either go back into your 
I'm going to worry about this thing at work or be there and just have that laugh with them and go, yeah, it is a bit, you know, that's the why question, which is just blows, blows your mind. You think, yeah, why do we do that? <laughs> it's really fun watching the world through small eyes. It's yeah. Funny. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that sense of kind of, I really like your honesty around kind of like that, that juggle is real um, because it is. And it's a constant, and you know, these devices that we've ever cleverly made as a human race to do, you know, um, to distract us from effectively important stuff. We need to be really careful about how we manage them, don't we? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. If, like, I turn off all the notifications. Like, yeah. I just don't ever have, you know, those awful red dots that mm-hmm. sit on the edge of apps that draw you into it. I turned all of those off. I was like, I don't want to know that I've got 47,000 unread emails. Like, I don't, I don't, that's not good for me to see that. Like, well, shut up. There's something really important in there. And actually, the reality is, there's nothing important there. Because it was, somebody'd ring it. Yeah. Wouldn't they? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, just managing your mind and knowing that it, it will, you know, it'll tell you lies. And telling what to do things, and actually, you kind of need to rationalise it sometimes. Yeah, help tech you, but it's but it's sometimes not telling you the whole truth. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> exactly, and I feel like you have to physically move it away. Yeah, because it by sometimes I can feel it like burning in my pocket, like it wants me to pick it up. I'm like, what is happening? Like, what? Why is it so compelling? Yeah. You realise, like, this is so many people's jobs. They are paid incredibly well to make this stuff incredibly addictive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, gosh, I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> it reminds me of, like, um, Lord of the Rings with the you know, the ring that uh, everybody's be mesmerised by when it comes out and will play yeah, yeah. on the finger and all the power it wields. So, um, but yes, it's very interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. But yeah, I'm saying I put my phone to bed. Um, and I just say to people, after a certain time in the evening, you won't get hold of me until the following morning. That's just it. So, um, yeah. Good plan. Mm. So what talks to me a little bit, we're coming to the kind of the end, towards the end of the podcast now. So talk to me about um, what your advice might be to um, anybody listening that's kind of going, what I'd, what can I take? You've already touched on many things, but what would you say if there's one piece of advice you'd like to give somebody if they're finding the weight of the context with currently living in a bit heady. Yeah, I mean, I I had a bit of a realisation recently and I've had some really interesting conversations. I think that I remember learning about imposter syndrome in the Sheryl Sandberg look, book, Rean, Lean In, probably, was it like 2012 or something it came out? So, you know, a good amount of time ago. And I remember having this feeling of, oh my goodness, she has looked into my brain She's un- she, and then written down on the page exactly how I feel. Like, do I have do I have the knowledge to say this? Can I stand up and say that? And um, that was like this incredible light bulb moment for me. And I realized, oh my gosh, so many mainly women feel feel this way. And I think what I've realized is in this climate space, for a long time, I had this imposter syndrome. You know, you're learning about. SASD and GRI and CSRD and this alphabet soup and do you know what they all mean and ISSB and you know and it's like oh my goodness where do they all sit and 
you know, and that's just one piece. And then there's this, you know, the science, the science that goes into all of these different things, the tipping points. We've got these incredibly knowledgeable people. And I've basically had this epiphany that you can't know everything. It changes very quickly. And so we, I think we just all need to be a little bit comfortable with having a little bit of imposter syndrome because we're not ever going to reach the limits of our knowledge. Like there's just too much to get our head around. And so for me, it's about, okay, so I know technology and that's my strength and my experience and building great customer relationships and really caring about what somebody wants to do with this technology and how can we make them successful. So I just need to own that, lean into my strengths and be confident with that. And then no, I'm not going to know everything else. And I think that's the key to action because ultimately we don't have time to all go back to school and all retrain and to be honest like what they're teaching at the university now is probably out of date because it would have been written a year ago and things are changing so quickly so you know it's we can never know everything let's not use that as a reason to hold us back believe in your strengths and just go for it because the world needs you to act right advice yeah absolutely um that imposter syndrome just resonates with so many of us, doesn't it? It's just, certainly just for me in the work I do um, in this space as well. So thank you, Kaylee. That's really, really pertinent. Um, well, I'm just come, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the podcast. I could talk to you for a lot longer, but um, thank you so much for, for coming along and um, talking to us about your journey and the work that you do. It's been really lovely to hear and um, somebody's so inspired by what they do on a day-to-day basis that's taken control of of their career and and gone out and, and got it. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, no, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Babbley. We've reached that time. It's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you've heard and you want to reflect further on how you navigate the emotions of working in sustainability so that you can maximise your impact in this defining decade? Why not take my quiz? You'll find it over on my LinkedIn profile. I've been your host, Francis Lee Rogers, and I'll see you next time on The Butterfly Effect.